It's an AT-AT on Hoth. Star Wars. Oh, I can't watch Star Wars, so. Okay. Is it actually pronounced AT-AT? I thought it was called an AT-AT. I like AT-AT better. Okay. I'm just, I'm genuinely curious. Like, is that how it's actually pronounced? Yeah. It's it's an AT-AT. I definitely thought it was called an (laughs) AT-AT. Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week on January 31st, we'll be doing the first of a new series we're calling Books and Food, where we compare certain foods in a category to various books. Our patrons decided this first round should be cookies. Then on February 7th, we'll be reviewing The Rosie Project, which is a hilarious and sweet rom-com. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. We have all sorts of cool perks available, from our mini-series and monthly episode-picking poll to bookmarks and books from our TBRs. Check out all the cool perks at patreon.com slash thebooklifepodcast. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, Ronnie, the Pirate Queen, and Sam and Megan. May your problems always be fictional. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your host, myself, Mo, my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are talking about Gilded by Marissa Meyer, and we have a special guest. We have Bethany from the Prince Kai Fan Pod to join us once again. And we know, you guys know how much we love Bethany and how much we enjoy talking to her about any Marissa Meyer book there possibly ever was. So we have her once again. Yay. Yay, Bethany. (laughs) I like that I've just become like the podcast guest for any Marissa book. (laughs) Like... Uh, I think you did it to yourself, honestly. No, it's fine. I like it. It makes me very happy. It's like my field of expertise. So everyone, just so you know, we join Bethany's Patreon and she has some really great perks in her Patreon. Like if you have read the Lunar Chronicle, she has these sheets where she literally just has her notes through the entire book. <laughs> Before this episode, I was like, man, has Bethany released like a read by read Bethany sheet for Gilded yet? I'm like, possibly not. And I was trying to find no. it. I, was like, oh, I wonder if she's done this one or not yet. So I admit I was trying to cheat today, guys, get her notes. <laughs> together by, by using my resources through Bethany's Patreon be like hmm. Hmm. So I usually do it like because of my podcast does every chapter like chapter by chapter that's usually how I kind of organize the notes so right now the notes are up to like chapter 27 of winter because that's the book we're on so if you're mm-hmm. looking for annotated notes from Cinder, Scarlet, Cress, or Ferris, they are available. <laughs> and they're pretty hilarious, honestly. Like, I mean, half funny. of the notes are like swoon with a heart emoji or WTF or Yankees. <laughs> that was scary. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, and some of it I forget about. Like, I forget that I wrote that three years ago. So I'll get messages sometimes of people like, what did you mean by this? And I'm like, I don't know. That's past Bethany. I haven't <laughs> talked to her in a while. <laughs> No clue. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I found some fun facts about the book. Just a few. Hopefully they're not facts we've mentioned before about Marissa Meyer. So for one, a little bit about Gilded. This book is full of German 
mythological creatures like the Noxier, the Druze, and the Moss people. So these are all straight from German myths, which I found really refreshing. I have a minor in German. So when I was reading this book, I was like, I know what these words are. I'm just so smart. Ha 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 me. And yeah. you probably know how to pronounce them. Unlike the rest of us who are just like, that's an N word. That word starts with a D. Got it. <laughs> Yeah, my ag- I'm okay at it. I've had a few German people go, "Wow, are you fluent?" I'm like, "Hell no!" I'm like, I had, t- I'm like, I had tutoring. I had a lot of tutoring to get a decent accent. The only thing I can say, and it's not even German, but like my sister's first wife was from Austria, and when she came to the states, she went by her middle name, which is Christine, because that was just easier for Americans to pronounce. And I remember I kept asking her to tell me how to say her first name. And it took me forever to figure out how to say it, but it's Birgit. 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 And I'm so proud that I figured out how to say it. It's Bridget, but it's it's beer. Oh. It's pronounced beer gut with a lot of mess in the middle is how she taught uh-huh. me to say it. So it's Birgit. But I it took it. like a year to figure out how to say it properly. And now it's like, it's all I have. I got nothing else from that. I don't know how to say anything else, but I have that middle part figured out. Oh, here, I'll teach you a fun word. Dunkoft. Dunkoft. What does that mean? Dumbhead. <laughs> I knew that one, actually. <laughs> um, I was thinking it was going to be dumb and then another body part. <laughs> um, we can go, let's see. Um, scheist. Scheist. There you go. Without a T. So scheist. Scheist. That's just dumb uh, shit. So oh. there you go. Now I can curse. And if you need to drop an F-bomb, good news is it's the same way you say it in English with a German accent. <laughs> Just a little bit harder on the K, a little. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, welcome to Cursing in German by Mo. Thank you for coming tonight, guys. That actually could be a podcast, though. Like, I would listen to that. You just do like different curse words in different languages. Like one month you focus on German and then you focus on like Russian and then it's Greek. And yeah, I would listen to that. I would totally have to have um, guests on there and be like, let's talk about your native language and how you cuss in it. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. Additionally, I don't know if we mentioned this before, but Marissa is a twin mom, just like me. She has twin girls and I'm like, I'm a boy girl mom, but she can have twin girls. That's fine. And I love, so I have two cats. Abby has two cats. Bethany, I think you don't have puppies, don't you? No cats? Puppies. Mm-hmm. But she, Marissa has two cats. Yes. And oh my gosh, I don't even know how to pronounce the Alexandria, Josephine, and Blackland Rockwell III. Those are the fanciest cat names ever. I know, but aren't they great? <laughs> I love fancy fabulous. cat names so much. Do you, do you know the backstory behind those names, Bethany? Because I, I didn't. talked about it because. I mentioned to her like my dog's names because one of the times we recorded, both of my dogs were like in the background and she was like, well, I have to, I have to know them. So Beowulf is actually a uh, very ancient literature story that does not suit my dog at all or his personality, (laughs) but he was eight months old when we adopted him and we were worried about changing his name so late in life. I personally would have named him Dopey because he's really fun <laughs> and really sweet, but he's kind of, there's not a lot going on up there. <laughs> You're like, hey, buddy, I look at you. I love him, but he is kind of dumb. And then Scamp, we named him Scamp because 
I kept calling him that. We couldn't figure out a name for him. So we were going to wait a few days. And I kept saying, you're such a little scamp. And my husband didn't know what the word meant. So like he looked it up and was like, yep, that's his name. And he lives up to his name at least once a day. So I'm very proud of that. (laughs) Um, And now I know Marissa said that with her cats, it's part wanting them to have like these majestic and memorable names and part what sounds fun. I love him. Yeah. I know that there's the Sam is a character, but I forget from what. Right. Fun fact. Cyrilda is German for armed maiden of war. And Cyrilda is actually our main character of Gilda. Do you guys like how I'm spitting this back? Very nice. I like it. I like the dots. Let's go. Yeah. We're like somewhere else. (laughs) The main character of Gilda and her name means armed with war, which I think is actually really telling. I kind of thought her name was going to mean like storytelling or something, but you know, she causes a lot of drama. So I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. So Abby, what's the summary of this book by chance? (laughs) All right. Once there was a man who caught a God and demanded a wish. His wish gave his daughter golden wheels in her eyes and stories no mortal should know on her tongue. And then, one night, those stories reached the ear of the Arrow King himself from the girl's own lips, and things took a turn for the worse. Mm-hmm. Mm. I got mine, too. Where's my... Yes, my copy. Actually, I have... I've got a signed copy, too. Yeah, I have... I also so have, like, a copy. Ooh. Ooh, oh, you got pretty. your Harry Lou. Oh my God, it's gorgeous. Oh, like, that is so okay, pretty. Okay, my little background is making it like really hard yeah. to see it. So let me. So, listener, we're all geeking out right now because Abby and I got signed copies from a Barnes and Noble thing with Marissa, blah, blah, blah. And then Bethany's showing us her amazing fairy loot copy. It is, yeah. Isn't it I can't look how gorgeous. That is so nice. It is a hardcover with a really nice insert, nice golden insert. It's black it's and gold. Vines and thorns and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Marissa did sign it. Oh. And Marissa. Oh, look at all of our signed copies, guys. Oh, my um, signed copy's downstairs. This is the copy that I read. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm I like that copies. too. Like I, I, I'm like that too with them. Like I'm never going to read the Gilded Fairy Loot, but I'll read the other one. Like the Gilded Fairy Loot is, is a treasure that will be uh, kept safe and protected forever but i oh, have yeah. um a marissa meyer fan shelf i feel i actually do have a marissa meyer fan shelf how could you not He's written so many books it takes up almost two shelves <laughs> but i think i think at least half of mine are signed at this point yeah because so i met her in person a couple years ago at the north texas teen book festival that's how i told her about my marissa meyer podcast and she signed a bunch of books for me then and then she also sometimes will just like randomly send me stuff so like when we found out about the heartless musical she sent me a signed copy of heartless <laughs> um <laughs> last year when instant karma came out she sent me a signed copy so that was really nice she was going to send me a signed copy of gilda but i told her i already ordered one and i already ordered the fairy loot so i think oh, she's, she's okay she can come down <laughs> i was like but thank you i think she was gonna send me like a book plate or something but i told her not to worry about it because i already feel like i get amazing things just because she knows mm-hmm. that i exist but bethany, but bethany what did she put in the book this time oh what? i'm in the book you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was like one of the biggest surprises of my life so drew from of slippers and spindles who i adore got an early copy of the book before me and then like 
maybe two weeks after he got it and messaged me and was like, it's amazing. I can't wait for you to read it. I got the e-copy from Marissa. Well, actually like from Marissa's publisher, but I'm assuming it's because Marissa told her to give it to me. And so I read the whole thing and then I messaged him and told him I was done. And he was like, do you know how hard it was for me to not tell you about the acknowledgements? (laughs) He's like, I was like halfway through texting you when I was like, no, no, she needs to find it on her own. (laughs) Yeah, Marissa definitely got a very long thank you emailed and card because I was like spazzing out. And I'm actually such a dork. Every time I go to the bookstore and my name is in and I see Gilded, I'm like, yep, I'm just going to open this, look at my name, close it and put it right back on the shelf. Oh my gosh. You need to start leaving bookmarks of your podcast. And her, that's good. I do. I do. And actually I was at the book books a million the other day, leaving bookmarks because they also have a stack of my bookmarks at their register that they give to people. If they see them buying anything, Marissa, which is great. But a girl was like looking at me, put all the bookmarks in there. And I was wearing my, my Prince Cafe and pod t-shirt because duh. And she was apparently like a really big fan. So she asked me to sign her copy of Gilded next to my name. Oh, that's so sweet. That was very cool. I felt very awesome for a good five minutes there. (laughs) All right, guys. We're going to hop into our favorite favorite character. We're going to hop down the character list. So hopefully this whole section has not been spoiler at all for you. We've done pretty good job being all over the place, but not spoiling this book for you. So the people that you will experience in this novel... First is Cyrilda, the main character, a spunky 18-year-old who is shunned by the town due to her unique guy she was blessed with. Her dad, the miller. No one knows his name. It's unfortunate. <laughs> we couldn't find a guy. Sorry. Uh, he is Papa. His name is Papa. Good enough for us. He is loving towards Cyrilda and hardworking. 10 out of 10. He's a good dad. There is Ziglick, their horse, old, steady, and faithful guild and achievous poltergeist who haunts the earl clinic's castle and plays tricks on inhabitants handsome poltergeist oh sorry handsome he's quite handsome there is well if you just say like mischievous poltergeist people are going to be like peeps oh true (laughs) you have to make it clear that it's like a good looking poltergeist guys aren't sure yet he's quite good looking there is earl clinic the elder king he is he likes the wild hunt. Hmm. He's in charge of the wild hunt. He's cruel and magical. There's Percha, the Earl Koenig's partner who is dead and whose death leads him away from his original castle to out of hide. We have the houndskeeper, a defined feature. She has a cut on her throat from where she was killed. She commands the hounds of the hunt. We have the valet slash coachman, who's one of my favorite characters, uh, who has a screwdriver tool jammed into his eye from his death. And he offers helpful hints to Cyrilda about dealing with the Earl King. We have the village children and the townsfolk, Madam Sauer, who is the school teacher and is super rude and strict and rude. Uh, We have the kiddos. We have Anna, Hans, Gerdut, and the twins, Fritz. Gertrude. It's it's Gertrude. Gertrude. Yeah. Okay. I'm going off of like things I Googled. Um, (laughs) And the twins, Fritz and Nickel. Is that wrong too? It's Nickel. Fritz and Nickel. It's Nickel. 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 Okay. Adelheid, is that pronounced wrong? <laughs> no, Adelheid is correct. Adelheid. Okay, so the townspeople are Male Lorraine, also the innkeeper of the Wild Swan. Lena, her daughter, who is... Are you saying... Are we wondering if she's seven? I think she's seven. Isn't she? I thought she was young. I didn't think she was like... She's like seven or 11. Those are the two numbers I picked I up. I was for. thinking 11. So it might be 11's seven. 11's a great number. <laughs> um, but she is uh, quite fond of Cyril. We also have Frida, the librarian who we all love. She's 
a, a friend to Lorraine and Lena. <laughs> She's also very helpful with giving uh, like local historical information about the castle and surrounding area. And most importantly, she gives Cyrilda a book. Mm, that's how you know she's a good person all right guys we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to spoil the book so if you haven't read the book we got to stop because we're going to spend the next 30 minutes spoiling this book to death okay all right we'll talk to you in a minute guys these days more authors are including mental health content in their books but do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is or do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. Welcome back, guys. We are going to be tackling all the spoilers. So if you haven't read it, please go read the book, and then you can come back and talk to us. All right. Favorite characters. Let's start with you, Mo. I love Guild. Like the first moment Guild came into the story, I was like, this, this is my guy. I'm here for Guild. He is such a sweet kid. And I feel so bad. Like he doesn't know how he got there. He, he knows his powers. He kind of knows like what's going on, but he just doesn't remember his past. And I also love that he's like this annoying pest in Earl Koenig's side. And he's like, let me put all of the weapons in the ceiling or let me do some other crazy crap. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're, you're terrible. I love this. Like, how can you <laughs> not enjoy a handsome, mischievous gesture? I also highly enjoy Mayor Lorraine. Uh, who cannot love a strong female boss lady? Like she owns her own business. She's the mayor of the town. I mean, she's always kind and generous to Sorilda when she didn't have to be. And crushing it as a single mom. Yeah, she oh, is, man. And I love her daughter, Lena. Like there's something enduring about kids who talk to strangers, make friends, and are like, hmm, I'm going to keep you. You're a nice human being. And she's very courageous and spunky. Like she's, she's man, she's going to... She is like mini Lorraine. She's going to go places in life in their town, I think. Oh, yeah. uh, and then there's Frida. <laughs> For one, I love the Lorraine-Frida dynamic going on. The nice, awkward turtle. I like you and I like you, but we're going to pretend we don't like each other kind of a thing, but we actually like each other. But she, okay, Frida's a librarian uh, and she loves books. And I was like, why, yes. Why, yes, librarians are amazing. And I love how excited she is to share her book finds with Lorraine. And then eventually she brings Cyrilda, this book, all about the history of the region. So I was like, oh, thank you. Hmm. The history of the crops and the cycles. And oh, okay, I'm looking for the people that live in the castle, not the economic life of the area. Thank you. But thank you. So she gives her like a she gives her like a biodome of information. And Cyrilda was like, I was more looking for like a cast of characters, <laughs> maybe an old phone book. Right. I loved it. And she was like, thank you. And so I was like, oh, yeah. Anyway. All right. Abby, let's lead right into you. What do you got? Okay. I 100% agree about Lorraine. I loved how caring she was towards Rodo. Like, this weirdo girl comes into my town from the haunted castle. And I'm just going to be like, yeah, it's okay. Have a meal. Just sit down for a little bit, hon. Like, <laughs> that's totally believable. Sure. I, I appreciate that so much about her. Like, I don't know in her position if I would have done that. I might have been like, mm, can you move on, please? <laughs> so I really like that. She's just so wholesome. 
I, I love everything about her. She's wonderful. I also really liked Guild. He's just fun and mysterious. And I really like him and Sorelda together. They're a good match, I think. I really liked Madame Sauer. <laughs> I loved her swooping in at the end and helping. When she first showed up, I was saying to myself, mm, she's, there's got to be more to her. There just has to be. And I loved that I was proved right. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you actually love. You love that you were right. I, just, I really liked this like grumpy old school teacher. I'm like, mm, there's more to you. And as soon as Sorilda actually went to her house, I'm like, she's a witch. Oh, hey, look, she's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I really liked her character. I wish she'd been used a little bit more because I thought she was a really interesting character, but I, I get why she wasn't. <laughs> Well, I think also our, just to sidestep a little bit, this is book one of a duology and our introduction to her true character comes closer to the end of this book. So I think that she probably will be utilized a lot more in Cursed, the sequel, which comes out in November. Oh, I'm hoping so. I'm like crossing my fingers going, give me more Madam Sauer, please. <laughs> it's very common for Marissa's sort of writing style. If a If a character is sort of, given a little bit more detail to their backstory at the end of one book, it's because they're coming back. So for example, at the end of Cinder, we get like two seconds where we actually meet Cress and we find out she's a girl with lots of hair trapped in a satellite. Well, who knew she'd be the main character of book three? Gosh, I never would have guessed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then the other character I really liked was Zelig. Just like, Shout out to the faithful old horse being the faithful old horse. I felt like he just needed a shout out. That's really it. I liked him. I think he needs a break and a hug. He does. Oh. He's he an also kind of reminded me of the horse from Beauty and the Beast, the Disney version, Maurice. Yes. Um, just because it was like, not necessarily this is like a main character, but we definitely grow attached to animals as readers and and people who are absorbing pretty much any type of storytelling. So mm-hmm. there are definitely times throughout the book where I was like, right, but is Zelig okay? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, did anybody check on him? Right. And I know. Like, I was so worried for him for a while there when he was part of the hunt. I was like, don't tell me you're going to kill the horse. Don't you I got to the end the of the book and I genuinely felt like, oh man, do I need to email Marissa and be like, thank you for not killing the horse. Please. <laughs> Don't do it in the second book, just in case you were like leaning towards that. Cause you took some liberties in this one that I'm not okay with. So I don't know if the horse oh is safe. God. Like, right. Uh, <laughs> All right. So what about you, Bethany? Who did you like? Zelig was one of them. I loved Lena. I love kids that are like intelligent beyond their years. And I think one of the things that makes her so intelligent is that she's extremely observant. Mm. She notices everyone and everything around her and she notices what they're doing, which is why she's very aware of the chemistry between her mother and the town librarian, Frida. And Mm -hmm. she's basically like, I love love. I really don't care if they go for it. My papa died a long time ago and my mom deserves to be happy, which I just love that this tiny little child is like playing Cupid secretly (laughs) for Mm -hmm. these people. Um, I love Frida. I have to give shout outs to my fellow librarians, but also Frida is not just a librarian. I think a lot of times in, in storytelling, like books and movies, librarians, I'm thinking specifically of the one in Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Librarians are used as these like bad villains who are always telling you to shush 
and are really sour and have a really grumpy personality. And I love that Frida is just like full of life and super happy about knowledge. And she's like, you want information? Read this book that weighs 27 pounds. I don't care if you bring it back. I'm just happy you want information. That's my job is to share information with the world. And look what I have for you. It's a book. So I adore her. And then Guild, oh, Guild has my entire heart forever. The fact that he has been alone for so long with virtually, okay, we know that he has no memory of his past, but I want to point out that what's really traumatizing to me about not having a memory of his past is that he doesn't remember anyone caring about him. He doesn't Mm -hmm. remember what it's like to be loved. He doesn't remember what it's like to have a human connection with someone. He doesn't remember what it's like to be touched by someone. Mm -hmm. And I think that that makes his personality even more appealing when Cyrilda gets there and they kind of have this instantaneous connection between the two of them, because I think there's a difference between like being alone for a really long time, but remembering what it was like to have love in your life, to have companionship. And being alone for a really long time and not remembering who you are. Because it's not just that you don't remember things that happened to you or where you came from, but it's also that you don't remember what it's like to have a companion or to have someone care about you. And I think that's part of why he latches on to Cyrilda so much. So yeah, he just has my heart. I love him. I like how none of us put Cyrilda as our favorite character. (laughs) Cyrilda has some issues. Problems. Usually um, my favorite characters are people I think I could be friends with, and I cannot be friends with Cyrilda. No. I'm too sensitive, okay? That's that's genuinely that's the truth. I cannot be friends with someone who's that um unintentionally mean. She'd probably make me cry a lot unintentionally, but it would happen. And I'm just I'm too much of a baby for it. I know myself too well. Let's just jump right into these favorite characters, guys. Rilda is dumb. Like, seriously. I'm sorry. What's her common sense? I was trying to find it during the whole book, and I got really irritated with her when she was like, when Gil's trying to be like, magic has a price. You have to pay for me to do magic. Yes, I want to help you, but magic costs. And like he says, it explains it every single time. And she's like, what? 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 How does it work? And I'm like, girl, he's, he's told you every single time you met him that he's made you all of these little gold, you know, threads. Why don't you get it? He explains um, it multiple ways too. Not just I like know. multiple times, multiple ways. Like he, like he, I mean, he was a good teacher. He tried different scenarios, you know, different analogies, different ways of how it works. And I'm like, girl, why don't you just get this crap? So I think interesting because none of Marissa's lead characters are dumb like that. Even, even Lavana, who we all hate is brilliant in terms of like war and battle and strategy and long-term goals and stuff. Mm -hmm. Huh? She's terrifying, man. Like Lavana is the thing of brilliant, like just absolutely yes. genius. And I think this is probably one of the first main characters we ever have for Marissa. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Who's so incredibly uh, like caught up in her own story and her own life that she genuinely does not pay attention to anything or anyone around her. I don't necessarily think it's stupid. Like, I don't necessarily think that she has like a low IQ level, but I think that she genuinely doesn't have a care for things that are going on around her. Mm-hmm. So she's not observant enough to pick up on something as simple as social cues. 
even okay like the main character from instant karma she yeah, was very much in her own right? little bubble mm-hmm. she was very much in her own little bubble but she was very smart and she was paying attention to what was going on around yep. her so as soon as she was given new information she went oh maybe i should change my views maybe i should think yep. about this a little mm-hmm. bit more abby you hit something on the head there was i felt like there was no character growth with serilda maybe that's why i didn't like her because like she stayed the same throughout the novel very much telling spinning her stories not picking up on things and I feel for her. I want to see her journey. I want to see where she gets with her mom, find out her past, figure out what the hell she's going to do with this child in her belly. Like, come on, girl. Seriously. But again, even in all of Marissa's other books, she doesn't make us wait to have at least some character development. Like, Mm -hmm. for example, Cinder, that's a four-part series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She could have easily been like, you know what? Cinder's character arc is going to happen a little bit in this book and a little bit in this book. No, Cinder goes through journeys in each book and grows by the end of each book. And then even more so throughout the series, as does every single character in that series. Kath has a complete 180 personality change through her journey through Heartless. Prudence is probably the most relatable and unlikable character ever written. (laughs) And she goes through all kinds of character growth throughout that book. And then we have we have gilded we have mm-hmm. gilded where and i i skipped all of the renegades but it's similar yeah, it's okay yes um, i mean we, we've been there we've done that we're all good right but then we have gilded where Cyrilda, i mean day one she likes to tell stories day in last page she likes to tell stories in the beginning she's mostly like wallowing self-pity about like her circumstances in life and oh look at that at the end of the book she's still got a lot of self-pity going on Mm-hmm. She cares about the kids, but only yeah. to a certain extent. And I'm pretty sure the reason she cares about the kids is because the kids are the only ones that like her. Yeah. Which is also true at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think part of the thing that require that's required to do character growth is for the character to realize some part of them needs to change. Mm-hmm. Some part of them needs to be different, but Sorilda is never offered the opportunity to make, make that connection in her own brain. And so I that doesn't she's help. given the opportunity, but she doesn't take advantage of it because there's several moments where if she would just tell the truth, problem solved. Right. Oh yeah. That constant lying thing. Yeah. But constantly, consistently, and not just in terms of telling stories. There are multiple scenes throughout the book where she could have just told the truth or even a variation of the truth. And there would have been people and other characters to assist her. And instead, she has to come up with all of these, these lies and excuses. And it's almost like a compulsive personality trait that she like just can't be truthful. And maybe, maybe that is part of her curse, right? Mm-hmm. That even just to tell how she got to the grocery store. It has to be this huge long story that may or may not be true. Who knows? But I know that as a reader reading through it, it's like, it's almost cringy because every time an opportunity comes up for her to learn from her lesson and she doesn't, you just kind of, you get a little frustrated. And by the end of the book, it's like, so, so you really never, you didn't learn anything. I like how she's not even on your guys' least favorite character, but we're on a thrill to roast right now. And I'm like, Oh, thank you guys. That's right. So I feel about her too. I think I sometimes don't necessarily think to put main characters on least or met or favorite character list just because 
those aren't necessarily the characters. Like we are always going to feel a certain way about main characters. That's what everybody talks about. Like, but usually when I think of like least favorite characters, it's characters that either were just like super bad. So obviously I'm not going to like them or characters that I just felt like were completely unnecessary to the story. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't hate her Mm -hmm. like super dislike her. She just frustrated me. It's that cringiness. Yeah. Again, I'm going back with, I'm like, girl, you dumb, like get this shit together. But and I, I hated mean, that she, sorry, I hated that she kept going back to like saying it was a compulsion, like she couldn't help herself when it came to lying. And it's like, yeah, but you can also just not lie. Or just not talk. It's fine. Well, like, it's we one of those like, things where it's like, do you have to lie? Just embellish a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She went crazy. Well, uh, moving along from Cyrilda. Wow, guys, the perfect villain. I mean, like, I don't want to call him, he's the least favorite character because he's just the perfect villain, but also such a well-done, well-created, well-rounded, living true to the tale of the Earl King. Wow, Earl Koenig. I mean, like, Earl Koenig is on Levana's level of villainy and Mm -hmm. perfection of, like, you know, I hate saying, I have a favorite villain, like, but he's up there in favorite villains, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that in terms of writing villains that are relatable and yet still bad guys, it's that's one of Marissa's like skill sets. Because especially if you read Ferris in the Lunar Chronicles, which I highly recommend everyone reads it at least once, it's so hard to relate to a villain on a human level because they are really bad guys. Mm-hmm. But like, there are elements that you relate to in terms of like, it's kind of shitty that he lost the love of his life and couldn't give her a child. And now he's alone with all these ghosts. And that would probably make me bitter too. I mean, I don't think I'd go around murdering people, but it would make me a little bitter. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not bitter, but just a little bitter. Just like, just like grumpy old lady on the porch, bitter, not like murderer in an ax movie. <laughs> but I, I also think it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I understand why he wants these gods so bad. I understand like why he would want the love of his life back. I had struggled to believe that he's actually capable of love at all. But if he thinks he is, then, you know, who am I to argue? Abby, let's just flow right into you. Yeah, same for me. Like, excellent villain, but wow, he did some really crappy stuff. Um, Going around just murdering people and hunting down other magical creatures to mount on his wall after he kills them, like, disturbing all around. And then Perched up. His partner, wife, whatever. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. You're going to kidnap children, raise them, and like shower them with everything they could possibly want. And then at a certain age, you're just going to kill them? Well, they're not kids anymore. So, you know. Oh, that's so... Oh, that upset me so much. I was like, nah, nah, you can... mm." And I will say that was like one of the things about this book that was kind of off brand for Miranda and I, Miranda, Marissa, I know I've talked to people before and I've said that I think this book is really dark and they're like, no, Stephen King is worse or so-and-so is worse. That's fine. I'm saying this book is dark for Marissa. Okay. Marissa went to a whole different place than even I was expecting. And I would consider myself and Marissa considers me an expert on her writing. I was not expecting anything to happen to those kids. Even when we got to the end of the book and they were like 
at the castle, I was like, okay, so there's some way that they can be saved. Maybe they're not really ghosts. Maybe they're not really dead. Like I was genuinely upset when I got to the end of the book and it was like, no, Bethany, they're dead. Like, that's just a fact of life now. Mm -hmm. That was rough, man. This is definitely dark for Marissa. Oh, I mean, okay. Marissa has done some dark things, killing off Peony. That was really sad, but it was done in a way that was really sad and traumatic. We got rid of Dr. Erlon in a way that was really sad and traumatic and actually made me cry. Everett died a hero, a hero who was, who was in the wrong place at the wrong time and loved by the wrong person, basically, right? Mm -hmm. We have a couple of deaths in um, the Renegade series where it's like, it's really sad that they died, but they were the bad guys. So what are you going to do? And then Heartless, of course, spoilers for Heartless, don't read it. They skip the next 45 seconds, but we lose the main love interest because it's the queen of hearts. So of course we're going to lose him. And then we go to Gilded and she's like, this one, I'm going to kill five kids and I'm not just going to kill them. I'm going to rip out their hearts and leave their mangled corpses on the side of the road. Not just on the side of the road. They're like covered in mud and scratches and they've got leaves and twigs in their hair. Like this is some traumatizing shit. Like this is the stuff you see on like episodes of CSI. Why is it in a Rumpelstiltskin book? And a young adult from a salesman book. Well, I mean, that leads me to my biggest plot twist because that was yours. Mine was uh, Sorilda's father waiting for her at their home after losing him on that wild hunt that they're on. <laughs> oh, and like she gets there and you're like, oh, it's her dad. Yay. And then mm, just kidding. He's a knockseer. And you're like, oh, my. Which is really scared when we saw dad, because by that point in the story, I was like, oh, it's dad. And then I was like, no, I don't trust Marissa anymore. No, we lost I can never trust Marissa again. What did she do to dad? Yeah, he showed up again and I was like, this isn't going to go well. I don't know what's wrong, but something is wrong. It's like a rut row raggy moment. It's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but basically, um, in case, I'm sure you guys have read the book by this point, but Anoxir is a German vampire zombie hybrid. Like they're sent- love. Right? Like so they're sent- cool. Sent back to um, eat the hearts of their closest family members, and you're like and themselves. They eat themselves. Yeah, they're definitely ten out of ten terrifying. I was like, never heard of this before. This book, holy shnikes! Thank but you for I the nightmares, Marissa. Real. Like this is a real myth in in German folklore. Like my biological father's family is from Romania, and even now. There are some pretty severe issues with Trigoy in Romania, which is technically like what you guys would consider a vampire. So when I first read the Vampire Academy series and they had Trigoy, I was like, oh my God, yes, some girl did her research. So I know that there's people out there who have like knowledge of German folklore and history that read this book and saw those words and was like, yes, this girl did her research. Because that's how I felt when I read the Vampire Academy series. And it was constantly like, yeah, that's how it goes. That's the lore. I could call my grandmother right now and she'd be like, of course, Dragoy are real. You're wearing your garlic, right? Like, it would be a whole conversation. <laughs> You're like, in my pocket, Grandma. Yep. Got it. I promise, Grandma, I got it. Actually, what I have is, side tangent, um, what I have is, uh, I'll, I can grab it if you guys want and I'll send you a picture. But it's, um, it's a, a piece of wood. Um about the size of like a nickel maybe it's got a carving like symbol etched into it that is supposed to be protectant of you and it was soaked in garlic juice 
under the full moon for 24 hours. So, oh, wow. Oh, that's really cool. It is cool. <laughs> if it works. Thank <laughs> you to go away from you was fine. Right. Abby, what was your biggest plot twist? Okay. So, my biggest one was that the Arrow King decided to keep her baby and mm-hmm. like say it was his. I was I was not ready for that. Like I knew she was gonna be pregnant, like literally as soon as they did it. I'm like, okay, she's pregnant. Like that's how these things go. And like her dad showing up, I knew something was wrong. So I wasn't like it wasn't a super big twist for me to go, oh cool, he's a zombie vampire. Nice. Yeah, okay. But like when we got to that scene in the castle and the Alder King had her and was like in the throne room, they were talking. I'm like, I don't know where this is going. I don't know what is about to happen. And then he's like, I'm going to claim your kid is mine and you can't tell anybody. And I'm just like, you're what now? We're getting married and you're pregnant. (laughs) There's a series called Timeless Fairy Tales by K.M. Shea. It's available on um, Kindle Unlimited. It's a wonderful series. It's one of my favorites. And it came out several years ago and she has a Rumpelstiltskin retelling as a part of that collection. Mm-hmm. And it has a lot of similarities to this one, including an Earl King. So when we got to the part where it was like, yep, this is where she gets pregnant. Cause also the original Rump of Stoltzkin, she does get pregnant with the King. So mm-hmm. I wasn't super surprised that she was going to get pregnant or that he was going to take the baby because that's really common in Rumpel Stoltzkin retellings. Mm-hmm. What was surprising to me was how that beep got out of yet another lie. Like, you know, <laughs> He just randomly was like, yeah, I can't make gold anymore because it's in my baby. Yeah, right. It's like, <laughs> got nine months to run with that one. Right. I was like, okay, you just increased your life by nine months. Good on you. Maybe 10, maybe seven. You never know. But um, do you have a game plan here or are you just making it up as you go? Because so far you've just been making it up as you go. But now there's other people at risk. So, you right? know, there's two different kinds of authors. There's the plotter and there's the pantser. I I'm feel like pantser. Cyrilda is like a life pantser. Yeah. <laughs> she just kind of. I'm a pantser myself, but I will say that like, I do have ideas in my head of like where I want stories to go. And I do have like a little notebook of like ideas of like, well, this would be a fun scene. I don't know where I'm going to put it, but it might be fun or things like mm-hmm. that. But I am a pantser. Like I just sit down and write and we'll see what happens. So I suppose maybe I'm like Cyrilda in that aspect. I will say Marissa is a hell of a plotter, like corkboard with tacks and red string everywhere kind of plotter. She has a huge whiteboard in her office, her writing. She actually has a den that she writes in that her husband built for her. It's really cool. But she has like a huge whiteboard in there that she uses to keep track of all of her moving parts. And she's got little post-it notes with scenes and she moves them around all the time, depending on what she's doing. So it's really interesting to think of her main character, who's a storyteller, being the exact opposite kind of storyteller than she is. Mm -hmm. I just think it's funny, like, she probably has an end goal of stay alive and get away from the Alder King, but so. I, I feel like the details goal. are really, really fuzzy right now. Well, you know what bothers me? And maybe this is really like selfish on my part, but what bothers me, okay, I don't have kids. I've never been pregnant. I'll just say that right now. But like, once you got a baby, it's not about you anymore. It's about the baby. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, yeah, you can have my baby. Sweetie, we need to talk about responsibility. And what you're going to do with said baby. Also, she like went out of her body and then like looked down and saw her body. So is her body just like a human incubator growing the child? Is her 
non-corporeal body growing the child? Is it like a simultaneous thing? Is it like an angel where you can be like, if you've ever watched Buffy or Angel, is it like an angel where you can be like corporeal and have a non-corporeal self that like travels away from your body, but your body stays the same? Like, I need to understand the physics of what's happening right now. Oh, trust me. That was bothering me too. But well, okay. The thing that bothered me, that frustrated me the most about Sorelda is that she had all this time, she had weeks to get stuff to exchange to guild to, to make the magic happen. And she just didn't. She didn't plan jack crap. Well, and this I was, goes back to Sorelda is dumb. The common sense of Sorelda is this much. She doesn't think outside her own. You, okay, you know how kids have like an attention span of a nickel? Mm-hmm. Yep. And oh, yeah. I used to teach preschool. So I would see kids do this all the time. They think about the consequence of what's happening right then and there, but they mm-hmm. don't think about the long term consequence. Okay. They're going to jump off that couch and it might hurt, but who cares? They're not thinking they're going to have to wear a cast on their arm for the next six months. So, Rilda, she thinks about the Im- imminent and immediate danger and then. Three months later, when other shit goes down, she's like, oh, I should have done something about that. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's why Mm -hmm. every reader in the world is cringing right now and screaming at a paper book in their hands. Yeah, I very distinctly remember texting Mo when I got to this part. I'm like, I am so frustrated. Why is she not planning? I would be running around to every freaking person I could find going, can I buy any gold from you? Do you have any gold I can have? Like... (laughs) Will she's like got a sign at the end? Will work for gold. <laughs> exactly. Like everyone in that really? time would have worked for gold. <laughs> yes. Yes. That yes. would have been me. I would have been Speaking going. Speaking of gold, how like how ominous was it for you when she stole the gold bobbin? Oh my god! As soon as she grabbed it and she was like, "He won't notice." I was like, "Yes, he will. Mm-hmm. Yes, he will. This is exactly the kind of person that will notice. He's gonna walk in there and be like." Nope, I had 72. Must have been that poltergeist, dude. I'm gonna string him from the ceiling. Yeah, she definitely has the impulse control of like a four-year-old. Yep. And I could say that because I have a four-year-old. She's as bad <laughs> as my kid. No. Oh man, guys. Um, let's jump into our favorite scenes. Um, because I sound like I feel like we're trying to go into least favorite scenes. Let's just go to favorite scenes, so we'll jump back into least favorite scenes. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick it enough. off with some good things. So I loved anything that was surreal and Guild's interactions. I loved how I loved the story she told him. And like as we figure out the stories, if I'm right, the stories are about his past essentially and what happened. And I loved that. And I, I have, so I got the audiobook on pre-order and I ordered the physical copy. So I want to read, this is definitely for me a re-listen book because I feel like there's so many more details. Marissa is so good mm-hmm. at sprinkling stuff throughout her books. We and you get to the end and you're like, eggs, and it is a segment on my podcast for that very reason. I will also <laughs> say sometimes it's unintentional and I pick up on it and I'm like, this was an Easter egg. And she was like, uh, it was, but I didn't know I did that. <laughs> Unintentional Easter eggs. Yep. I really like the scene where Sorelda's in the sculpture garden and she runs across the old sculptures and she just, it's like suddenly you see her brain starting to put connections together. And she's like, oh, oh, maybe, maybe the locket is Gil's sister and maybe Gil's part of this family. And you're like, maybe. Maybe. We don't know yet, but that's a good possibility, lady. Good job. 
you know, and it's like, you've been knocked up by a prince. Anyway, (laughs) you literally did follow the the fairy tale and got knocked up by the king. I also like the end of the story where we learn again, I said earlier where her stories like have magic, like with the teacher actually being a witch. Like, I don't know Mm -hmm. if she has premonition kind of a thing. Like she just kind of knows people's stories or what she says becomes true. I wasn't quite clear on what magic connection that was in the book, but I liked that. I liked that. I love, I love small magics. I call it. And I felt like this was a small magic that happened beginning of the book where Cyrilda saves the Moss Maidens like that right there. I was like, I'm, I'm hooked. I'm in for this book. We have a great, you know, strong lead. This is before I got to know Cyrilda, by the way. Like, oh, she's a smart lead character. Here's some um, respect to her. She's brave. She's fast thinking. She's compassionate. And then I was, of course, uh, my opinions changed later on. But I, I was like, that's the scene that really got me like, yep, I like this book. Let's keep going. Mm-hmm. I really liked the story as well. I liked the way it was woven into the main story and like how she told it piecemeal and she didn't even know what was going to happen. I, I thought it was really well done. And I loved that it ended up being an actual power of hers to tell stories that actually had happened without like, they're not stories that people just know, like fairy tales. She's telling these stories that actually happened to these gods and whatever, which that's really cool. So that's a fun power. I, Again, I loved the reveal of Madame Sauer actually being a witch. I just like her character. I'm looking forward to seeing more of her in the second book. I really hope I get to see a lot more of her in the second book. And then all the scenes where Lorraine is helping Sorelda, just sweet and wholesome interactions there, like 100% being a mom. And I just, I really enjoyed that because she definitely needed that kind of figure consistently in her life especially after her dad died. So, mm-hmm. which I don't think we you? talked about, but like her mom is not in the picture. So, we kind of skated over it, but her mother is not in the picture. There's a town assumption that she like took off cuz you know, being Cyrilda's mom was kind of shitty. But Cyrilda likes to hope that she was taken by the Earl King like her papa told her. So, she does have a life without um, a mother and I like that Lorraine kind of facilitates that role for her later mm-hmm. on. I think the only thing I would add, because I think pretty much everything you guys said was also favorite. I, the only thing I would add that was like a super duper favorite scene for me was I love Guild and Cyrilda and the the gold for the village people. This is something Mm -hmm. that Guild has always done because it brings him a lot of joy. And like we talked about before, I feel like one of the things he's missing out on because he doesn't have his memories is he doesn't remember having love or companionship. And now he has a companion. And he gets to share moments of joy with her. So he gets to be like, this is something I do that's important to me. It's one of the few things in my life that brings me genuine joy. And I would like to share that joy with you. And so I just thought that was a really sweet scene between the two of them and another way that they were able to connect to each other. Yeah, that was really cute. I'll say, Bethany, I absolutely did love that. I almost put that because I was, but that's why I was like, any interaction kind of covered everything for me, but I do love them just throwing crab over the edge like here you go have some gold (laughs) one of those things where it's it's kind of telling about guild i think in our current society it's very easy to have moments where you do something nice but i think a lot of people are very self-serving like 
How many times have you guys seen those videos online of some guy giving a homeless dude money or food or whatever, and then being like, look at the camera, homeless guy. Like, so he's Mm -hmm. obviously doing it to make himself look or feel better. And that's why it's being videotaped. Yeah. But Guild is doing this without any kind of expectation of gratitude. This is an anonymous gift that he's giving to the townspeople, even though he doesn't know them and has no reason to give them gifts. He just likes doing it. And he knows that it makes them happy and them being happy makes him happy. But mm-hmm. and then like, everyone's happy. And we like that. So yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Cause there's so much of this book where we're not happy. So yeah. <laughs> there were not a lot of light moments in this book. <laughs> Can I just say what a 180 this is? Her last book was instant karma, right? Oh my God. Right. That's the thing I think that makes this even darker was Instant Karma was this happy little rom-com and then we yep. get gilded. Oh my God. The worst dark. thing that happened in Instant Karma was a girl fell off a billboard and broke her leg. Right. That was it, you guys. That was the most terrifying thing of the story. Now, don't get me wrong. There were cringy moments, but that's only because Prudence is like a very flawed person. Mm. Uh, flawed, not stupid. Cyrilda mm. is both. <laughs> that's what makes her not likable hopefully she has a better turnaround in, in the other one but originally marissa set out that year uh to write a beauty and the beast retelling oh. but she ended up scrapping it about forty thousand words in because she just couldn't connect to the story or the characters and she had all these ideas in her head and she was like but that would be better for a rumble stiltskin retelling mm-hmm. so rumble stiltskin retelling oh man i love it yeah also, I really need to read that Beauty and the Beast that she scrapped because it's probably still genius. I know. I'm like, I still want to read the like partially finished story. Can we do that? Right? Like, how do I sign up for that email? <laughs> um, I just love Beauty and the Beast. So please send it to me. So let us move into least favorite scenes. I've already mentioned my cylinder is kind of dumb. So we'll just leave that and let that die. I really struggled with the kids being taken and then being found and mutilated and then being coming back as ghosts. Like I was like, Marissa, where I'm like, did I'm like, did the pandemic do you wrong? And this is your manif- manifestation of the pandemic. Like, I don't know, but man, I was like, this he was is like hard. the pandemic proved we can do anything. I'm going to go the opposite direction. They said I could be anything. So I turned into a villain. Maybe, but um, I mean, even for all the darkness and everything in this book, this was a freaking awesome book. Like, mm-hmm. not a lot of least favorite scenes at all for me. Abby, what about for you? Well, I will not go into my rant about Sorelda's lack of preparation again, because I already did that. But obviously, kids being murdered, literally everything to do with the murdered children, I hated. It was excellently written, but I hated it. <laughs> Zombie dad coming back? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. Nope. Thanks. No. And then, okay. This bugged me. It bugged me so much. I put this on the list. The shrub grandmother mentioning Sorilda's condition like a day after she had sex. I'm like, woman, there's no pregnancy test in any world. It was like a couple days later. It was like really fast after. I mean, like it takes like, like 14 days for your body to be like, oh, Something yeah, has you're not it, actually oh, yeah, pregnant, pregnant until it like, can be like six weeks to two months before people even notice. Right. And you're not even like, even the earliest test, you wouldn't be considered pregnant until like two weeks in. 
because like nothing happens until then. Right. <laughs> like things have to happen in the body in order for you to be pregnant. So the fact that she literally a couple days after Sorella had sex with Guild is going, is talking about her condition. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not how physics work. <laughs> That's not how the human body works. <laughs> Your disbelief in reality is magic, Gabby. Magic. Like, it would have to be, I for some reason was thinking it was a couple weeks later. I don't I'm know why. I'm pretty sure was it was thinking. only a few days. And so I, like, I, I, I knew really it was like the it. next scene, but I, for some reason, thought that there had been like a paragraph where it said like three weeks have passed or something. And now for the life of me, oh. I can't find that exact page. So I don't know. Oh, man. Because there was there was time in between each time that she went to the castle because of the moon cycle. Yeah. But like she was at the castle and then like the next scene is her going to the shrub grandmother. So like I didn't think that much time had passed. Right. Maybe I'm wrong. It's okay, but still, it was a very much a, what do you know, Shrub Mother, that we don't know? Page 375, nearly two weeks had passed. Oh, okay. That's what I was talking about. I was like, I swear there was a sentence somewhere. Two weeks is not very long. I will give you that, but it's not the next day. Like, you would need a blood test to know you were pregnant at that point. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And even would. then the doctors would be like, but are you on birth control? Like, there, there are things mm-hmm. that could mess with this. No, exactly. I just, I knew that there was something that had said somewhere that it was, like, it had been two or three weeks. Yeah, it, it was two weeks, though. <laughs> okay, I'll give you, I'll give you, it's not quite as crazy as it was in my brain. That's all right. But, and, and like I said, magic. Oh my gosh. Well, what about for you, Bethany? What did you not? What were your least favorite scenes? So we've already discussed most of my least favorite scenes. If I could just say something that like bombed me out was Thomas, I think was his name. The boy that she like fooled around with. It was basically like, let me take advantage of you, but you're cursed. So we can't be together forever. Cause I was just like, let's slap that boy. Right. Right. We all know that boy. We all knew that boy in high school. We all know that boy as an adult. We don't like him. Mm -hmm. I'm reading a book called um, The Firekeeper's Daughter right now, which, by the way, surprise, is not actually a fantasy like I thought it was, but a a young adult thriller. But I like the main character enough to keep reading. And she calls these guy lies. So boys lie to you to get into your pants. They give you guy lies. And I'm like, ooh, Thomas, you gave Thrilda a guy lie. Mm -hmm. All right. Why don't we wrap it up with final thoughts? Bethany, you want to go first? Oh, final thoughts. God, I loved it. I consumed it instantly. And I'm desperate for Cursed, which is the sequel. It's supposed to come out November 8th of 2022. Uh, I want to say thank you to Marissa for constantly giving us a book every November, like clockwork. Love the consistency. Not every author is like that. Some people have been waiting for Game of Thrones their whole life. Yeah, I just love it. There were a lot of really unexpected scenes where I think she took dark turns that we weren't expecting, but you can just tell how much her her writing craft and style have improved and matured over the years. And like we said before, she's approached darker subjects in her books before, but they were always broken up by like whimsical features or storytelling elements or lighthearted moments with the characters or or lighthearted contributions from the world building like Alice in Wonderland retelling and I feel like gilded god there are not a lot of lighthearted moments to cling to there's more darkness than lightness I think it's especially eerie because so much of it happens at night 
which we often associate with, you know, night, dark, bad, light, day, good. That's kind of been our thing from the beginning. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I made any sense with all of the words I just put together and called a paragraph, but okay. yes, I liked it. Five stars. Cause it's Marissa. <laughs> Man, for me, this was okay. This is not Lunar Chronicles. Lunar Chronicles is the um, epitome of all of Marissa's story. So that's my five star mm-hmm. to compare against. And Honestly, for me, Heartless was a four star. I didn't love Heartless. So like, that's my low standard. Okay. This for me was solidly right in the middle. It was dark like Heartless, which kind of was Marissa's foray into darkness, we'll say. And I was like, okay, you know, I kind of dig this. But it wasn't Lunar Chronicles, which is like number one. And I actually like Instant Karma over Gilded, which Mm -hmm. Instant Karma was very, I can't remember everything about that episode and what I said about that book but I was like okay so like I had my hierarchy of Marissa Meyer books the things I loved more about Insta Karma is I love their I love Prue and the boy a lot more in Insta Karma than I did love Quint, Gil- Quint. Yeah. Ah, I love it um Prue and Quint a lot more than I love Gilda Strilda I just don't love Strilda I'm like Gilda you can do better but I love Gild, so I don't know what to say about him but what really struck me the most Holy cow, wow. From Cinder to Gilded, wow, Marissa's writing has gotten phenomenal. Like, oh, good. And it was I, already good. It, it was so great. Good. It was already good. And it's just got, I mean, I just can't, I am like mind blown at her progress, her maturity as a writer. I cannot wait to see what she writes. I love it. She is probably, mm, probably my favorite young adult, young adult author. What do you think, Abby? Is she our favorite young adult author? I think so. Because I think so too. other, like... I think she'd be like my third favorite author overall because mm-hmm. Rachel Aaron and Gail Carriger beat her out. Yeah. But they both write new adult and adult stuff. Mm. So yeah, she's definitely my favorite YA writer. Mm-hmm. All right. So four and a half stars. I knocked it down half a star because Zerilda drove me nuts. Yeah. I she's just, the worst. She's <laughs> terrible. I couldn't, if I had liked her more, I probably would have given this five stars. But like, I just couldn't, I couldn't give it the full five stars because she just drove me nuts too much. I cannot wait for the second one. The fin, that was such a fantastic ending. Like it was a great pinnacle to end on. Like it was terrible, but it was fantastic place to end the book. And so I'm just like trying to brace myself for book two. Cause I'm like, dang, if this was book one, what's happening in the next one? <laughs> right what Uh, other crazy ride will we be on this book is awesome please go read it and everything else that marissa writes and i'm super stoked for book two and uh we still have to wait another 11 months but whatever it'll get minor details (laughs) and bethany can you please plug your podcast while you're here yeah so my podcast is called prince kythan pod it is a marissa meyer book club podcast i go through every book written by marissa in publication order and we go chapter by chapter i have a different guest for every episode so sometimes it's other podcasters like yourselves sometimes it's my patreon people sometimes it's bookstagrammers sometimes it's authors sometimes it's marissa marissa's actually done i think three or four episodes with us now and i was on happy writer once or twice i'm losing track of things because it's been a couple of years and as maureen mentioned i was in Gilded in the acknowledgement section. That's my name and that's my podcast. And you can find it everywhere at Perinskai Fan Pod. 
We are currently covering winter, which is the fourth question mark book because there is a 3.5 book in the Lunar Chronicles series. Mm -hmm. And we are spoiler free as you go. So if you've only read Cinder, you can listen to all the Cinder episodes and we won't spoil it for you. Not like us. We we like to spoil the stories (laughs) and have every time. I mean, if you join Patreon, which is a dollar a month, so as my husband likes to tell people, it's less than a McChicken. <laughs> if you join Patreon, there are tons of spoilers. We have a whole Discord dedicated to as much spoiler as we want. Would recommend, guys. She does a really good job, and she shares so much stuff. Oh, my goodness. Really mm-hmm. hard. I'm always coming up with, like, new fun stuff. Actually, one of my Patreon members just got COVID, so I sent oh. her, like, a little oh. hair package of, like socks and sanitizer and cough drops and stuff. <laughs> I'll touch anyone. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. We will see you next week. Thank you. Talk to you next week, guys. Bye. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our mini-series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.